Hi and welcome to the podcast, you're having tea with Alice. This week's episode is with Jeeves Verma, who is an old comedy friend from Sydney. We had a lovely chat over some tea about emojis and about the process of trying to be loved about a couple of uh, a couple of horror stories actually I was talking about one of the shows that I did in this run in Melbourne that just did not work and happened to have some reviewers in the audience which is always a really interesting sort of disciplinary exercise for the mind um, accepting that that not everyone's going to like you uh, not not everyone's going to like what you do and not everyone's going to like you as a person is a difficult thing uh, and it shouldn't be that difficult because it's obviously a fact we talked about that, we talked about rewriting history and making yourself into a person and uh, the process of carrying baggage and what it is that we call baggage. So if you would like to listen to that show, that's the show that's coming up. Jeeves Verma is a lovely, lovely human being and I really enjoyed chatting with him. Uh, thank you everybody who has uh, been emailing me, alicerfraser at gmail.com. Thank you everyone who's been coming along to the shows in Melbourne, even the terrible ones. Uh, thank you very much for your support. I really appreciate it and I am, am grateful for particularly for the Patreon support but also for the more diffuse examples of support like you know tweeting me or giving me a good review or you know, send, sending people to the show or sending people to the podcast, all of those things really make me feel very supported and um, brave enough to do the kind of things that I, I want to do. Um, that's about it. That's enough sort of self-congratulation slash sloppy expressions of love for you. You are very wonderful. I really appreciate you listening to me. Head along to patreon.com slash Alice Fraser if you want your download of The Resistance and head along to the Melbourne Comedy Festival, the Sydney Comedy Festival, the Perth Comedy Festival or the Edinburgh International Fringe Festival, the Edinburgh Fringe, if you want to see one of my shows live. That's that from me. Talk to you next week. Cool. Uh, hello. T- tell my people who you are and what you're drinking. Oh, hello. My name is Jeeves uh, Verma, and I'm drinking uh, an Asian drink. I believe it's their national drink. Pearl milk tea, it says. I've never had one. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) See, I would have thought you, uh, working at UNSW, you would be sort (laughs) of exposed to... Oh, I think I'm exposed. I'm definitely exposed, just not... um... You've never taken the plunge. Yeah. How do you feel about it? It's it's nice. It's sweet. Yes. It's not it's sweeter than I thought it would be. Yeah. It's pearly, it's milky, and it's tea. It's written, it's in the title, really. Oh, it sells itself. It sells, yeah, it's mm. a good... What are you drinking? I'm drinking a green tea uh, with red bean and ah. white pearls, which okay. are Okay, you had my green standard tea drink. and then it's got other stuff in it. Yes, it does. Okay. It's, a, it's a meal and a drink all in one. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, Hang on, let me take a sip. Good. Apparently... Mm. A bit of a choking hazard. Yep, there I are like gelatinous things at the bottom. Yep, it's mm. textural. It's a, yeah, <coughs> apparently it is quite oh, a, a choking hazard, but I like danger. Yes, th- those are the pearls. <laughs> <laughs> this is strange. Okay. Strange but good or strange, no, strange and great. good? Strange, fantastic. Because I had this the other day with someone coming out of my show and saying, that was really different but good. Yeah. Which I think is sort of yeah. typical of what I don't necessarily <laughs> like about mainstream Australia culture, which yeah. is when in, in other places and at other times and mm. with other audiences, people come out going, that was, that was different and good, yeah. and different and therefore good. But, and part of what I want to be is different, not yeah. different but good. When I think it's quite, ilu- I mean, I may be refining too much. Is there a negative stigma for different? Well, see, in my head, no. Yeah, But same. I think in many people's heads, yeah. yes. But of course we wouldn't, I mean, we're... Oh, unusual yeah. people by are. definition and so we have to <laughs> applaud our own virtues or our own vices as virtues yeah. so that we can accept ourselves but absolutely strange but good strange but good and okay. have you been wrestling with any ideas recently anything you've been thinking about um in well, that was a deep question yes um wrestling yes actually i'm sort of in the midst of writing my new show oh tell um, me which is nearly there it's uh basically the show's about how we have all of the ways to communicate perfectly with each other in the world, but we are no good at it. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think that is? 
Uh, I just think we've just invented so many new ways to communicate with each other that we've just settled for emojis. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, I mean, I tried, don't get me wrong, I've tried to get into emojis because I bought a new phone and it's on it. Um, but emojis does not allow for deep and meaningful conversation because they're all cute little pictures. Yeah, you want some dark emojis? Um, there, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I um, or even just some really deep emo. Like I, um, I was trying to convey to a friend because uh, while I was here doing my Melbourne show, that um, I was a happy, happy relieved at how many people ended up turning up after there were no pre-sales during the day. And then I said, uh, I sent a message saying, "Is it weird that I'm angry that there is no emoji for this?" And he said, "What?" emotion are you feeling and I said oh you know happy relieved and then he said use the one that is the the few with the s- sweat, sweat drops coming off the forehead like yeah, yeah. Uh, but I couldn't I mean that's uh, it's, I, th- I wasn't sweating I think yeah the mark of a sort of an effective emoji yeah. would be could you I mean because it's meant to be adding the what are they called? Paralinguistic cues. So oh, above good. above speech, written yeah. speech, you can you know in in your face you'll show a smile yeah. or an a expression of sympathy, so that either yeah. a joke or an emotion is conveyed along with the words. Because email communication or online communication is stripped all, of all of yeah, those and nuances. It's hard and to, you have to make it up. You know some yeah. you know weird bullshit statistic is that seventy percent of communication is through nonverbal, exactly. right? Exactly. I don't know where they pulled that from, and you can't trust science but anymore. I, anyway, it sounds good. So I'm going to go with it. Sounds good. At least, sort of gesturally, it sort of makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But so then, in the absence of those, you have emojis. Mm. But you could not, for example, if you were told that somebody had died. Mm. If you sent an emoji in response to express your Completely wordless grief, inappropriate. it would be non-functional. <laughs> it wouldn't. It wouldn't. <laughs> Because it is cute and because it is fun mm. or there's some, something inherent yeah. to them that is light-hearted. Like, we won't have reached effective communication with Absolutely, iconographs yeah. until we have, like, a full range of emotions that you can... But then why limit emotions in the form of emojis just to emojis? Why don't you... Everyone's taking selfies. Mm. Why don't you take a picture of your own face? That is a good point. Don't you think? And send that. Yeah, or just Skype them. see that's what I mean there's so many ways to communicate with each other but no one's yeah but even sort of angry face emoji doesn't effectively communicate rage no no, it doesn't it it makes your rage seem like the rage of a toddler yeah which Which is cute is cute I mean it depends it can be grating (laughs) depending on what context it's in Uh, anyway yes but yes that's uh, that's, uh, something that I've been thinking about a lot lately um, maybe I just need more practice at emojis because um, people seem to think I'm crazy when, I'm, when I bring it up with them well maybe you just need to limit your emotional range to the emotions you're right uh, yeah. yeah I'll limit it to maybe it's not the emojis that are broken maybe it's you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. to start practicing more emotions with my tongue out but there is that, yeah, more. There, there is that uh, 1984 sort of premise mm. that if you limit language, you limit ideas. Ah, yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. No, but that makes sense. Of course, it makes sense. If you limit language, it limits ideas. So if you don't have a word for yeah, I mean, yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. that book, you know, as if you don't have a word yeah, for rebellion, yeah. how can you think of the idea yeah. of rebellion? You couldn't emoji rebellion. No, certainly. You can't emoji, let's overturn the capitalist state. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe uh, like with the ticking time bomb emoji with the fist. Is there a fist emoji? There should be a fist emoji. I think emoji. there is a fist emoji. See, now we're just assuming there that there are that many emojis that there would be. I'm pretty sure I've seen a fist emoji. Oh, okay. okay, fair enough. But, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I could be wrong. I could be just sort of retrospectively making things up as uh, we found. Like, uh, there's recent sort of stuff that m- a lot of uh, memories, memories yeah. are very, very unreliable. Eyewitness testimony is very, yeah. very unreliable. Yes. Uh, That's right. And that they can now create on demand false memories in a lab. Yeah. Your brain does this strange thing where it, um, without you knowing, so it's not your fault, uh, where you have two pieces of information and a gap in between uh, where, say, the most important details would be 
and your brain just fills it in with stuff that it think it should. Yeah, yeah. Is, is that consistent yeah. with my personality? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, that's the the, so half the memories we have are not it or uh, didn't happen. Yeah. Which is a strange thing to tell someone because they get all defensive about it. Well, I mean, this is the lab scenario where, mm. uh, if I remember it correctly, huh, uh, <laughs> they, they, they bring you in mm. and they tell you a, a real memory that happened. Mm. They rec- recall it to you and you remember it. Yeah. So you were in this place at this time with this person. You did this fun activity. Yeah. And then they, they create this false... They can create a false memory of you having mm-hmm. committed a violent act and being <gasps> taken to a police station. What? Do they tell you this? What? They don't tell you they're about to do it. Yeah. Uh, but they say, you know, do you, do you remember being in this place with this person at this time and all those things were true? Yeah. You know, that summer you were in Lake Tahoe with your cousin yeah. Rodney. And do you remember when, you know, you were you had that violent incident and the police oh, called you in? wow. Do you remember what... And, and people will remember having committed a violent act oh, wow. that they did not commit. And they can do this. <gasps> On demand. They can do that with a, a normal person of normal kind of mental strength oh. and acuity. They can make you believe a false memory. Yeah, that's fantastic. And evil. <gasps> they should start putting the... Oh, my God. Imagine if they started adding stuff like this to escape rooms. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> but then the, the other side of this is that um, there's those people who do, like, hypnosis, trying to bring yeah. back buried childhood memories. Yeah. And if they're going in with an idea of what they might get, do you remember this? Did someone touch you? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, so you just Things end up like bringing that. up false memories. The, but not just bringing up false memories, but like creating false memories of abuse yeah. of the kind of thing that can screw someone for life. Oh, wow. So someone feels unsettled in themselves or they have sort of maybe vaguely PTSD-type yeah, symptoms yeah, or yeah. they react badly to certain triggers yeah. with no apparent cause... Someone who's, I mean, this has been kind of, you know, yeah. deregistered. It's a, it's a malpractice thing now in America. Yeah, yeah, People yeah. realise that it's not, you can't, you know, you rely on it. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's false. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. if someone comes in and maybe with the, all the best intentions goes, I think what happened to you when you were young was that somebody ab- abused yeah, you. Yeah. By making you do this kind of deep hypnosis suggestible thing, yeah. they can then make you think that something has happened to you that has not yeah, so which is terrifying. It is terrifying, but if you were convinced enough that now you found the memory in inverted commas, yeah, um, even no matter how fake it was, and just by realizing that you fixed it, whatever the it, whatever the problem was in the first place, mm. isn't that some sort of isn't that good? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it is, or maybe. It means that you then don't fix the actual problem. It's like the placebo version of memory fixing. Yeah, but I, I just... Okay, for two reasons, I can't get on board with that. Yeah. One, because maybe you're creating a more traumatic memory yeah, than what actually yeah, happened. Yeah. Maybe it was just that your it's parents possible. locked you yeah. outside one time and it had a deep <laughs> yeah. impact and now yeah. you're afraid of the outdoors at night. Yeah. Rather than you were outdoors at night and some, you know, the guy next door you, you grabbed your little head and yeah, put it into it. a bush yeah. or whatever like you know yeah yeah i'm not gonna create i'm not gonna <laughs> go too deeply into that scenario but but if then so if you have a false memory of that yeah a you're not fixing what actually is the problem whatever the problem actually is yeah. even if the placebo makes you feel a little bit better yeah and then what happens when you show up at a garden party and that dude's there yeah that fair. completely and innocent dude who you've made now up a memory made up a memory that is, you know, so, you know, potentially really upsetting and grotesque or or criminal or whatever. It's really worrying and upsetting. Yeah. I've got got a proposition. (coughs) Tell me how you feel about this. So um, I did a um, self-help course not too long ago um, just to let go of some stuff that I was hanging on to. Uh, I wasn't quite sure. To be honest, I was either going to do this or... Um, uh, find a therapist and yes. this turned out to be cheaper so, <laughs> <laughs> so but this was amazing to me because the basically the concept was that the past doesn't exist mm. so um, and, and that confuses people because of course it did it happened I remember it but that's the thing yes you remember it but that was your recount of the story if some, you had to ask someone else what happened 
it's going to be a different story. Yes, and how can someone be, yeah. even 10 kilometers away, that didn't happen at all. Exactly. It doesn't exactly. exist at yeah, all. Exactly, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so how do you carry around something that you've... Basically, you're not carrying around what happened, right? You're carrying around your idea what, of what happened. And that's what, that's what people call baggage. And, uh, and then basically the course was like, okay, none of that exists. Um, and and uh, by the end of it, you feel like some people were trying, like uh, had a hard time getting their head around this and all like, well, what do you mean it doesn't exist? Well, what is it life for? Blah. And just got really sort of upset know, ups- by it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you found those, it useful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, that, yeah, memory is one of those things that you just got to realize what memory is. And for you, it's just a recount of something that happened once and how much emphasis you put on that recount is how that memory affects you. Yes, yeah, yeah I think many people feel sort of helpless in the face of their own experiences because their experiences shaped yeah. them, but also it's it's not the experience itself, no. it's your reaction to the yeah. experience that shapes you. Exactly. Which yeah. you want to be careful about because, you know, if somebody's genuinely traumatised, you don't want to be like, well, it's just all in your head and it's all yeah, about yeah. your attitude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. equally, that, that's a really interesting idea. I mean, there's a sort of a Buddhist saying, the past and the future are broken plates. Oh, I love Only it. Only this moment is whole. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I think is, yeah, again, sort of useful. Although it could lend itself to a sociopath really neatly. <laughs> <laughs> I, um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I saw your dog like three weeks ago. It didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't exist Forget anymore. the dog. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, no, I look, I, I, I just, yeah, people, I think people are stuck with this idea that you are who you are because of what, I mean, yeah, how you've been in the past um, and everything that you've experienced in the past. But I sort of disagree. I feel like you, at every point in your life, you're at this moment where you have the option to be someone else. You can. But, and all of that comes from the future, though. If you want, if, Tomorrow, you want to be someone who is, you know, um, a risk taker and, and uh, energetic and, and spontaneous. You can decide that that's who you want to be tomorrow, and everything that leads up to that point is going to have you be that person. Yeah. 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 I yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. It's I think that's an interesting one yeah. because we will always draw that line backwards. So yeah, you say, yeah. "I'm a risk taker because I never took a risk before," yeah. or "I'm a risk taker because I've always taken risks." Yeah, Both yeah. of those work as narratives. Yeah. But if you have never been a risk taker before, How the gonna, environment yeah. around you will be pressing against change because people don't like no, that's change, right. and we respond very much more to our environments. Yeah. You know, like they say, if you if you want to go on a diet, you empty your cupboards of all yeah, the junk yeah, food yeah, because yeah. nobody is better than <laughs> yeah, that's right. the incentives that they yeah. align around them which is the the thing about um that that uh, i was thinking about recently when you, you look at science mm. now mm. so there was a kind of a, a what do they call uh, a study of studies a collation of studies of broad range you work at a university yep. uh, <laughs> yeah they, they did a survey of, of yeah. a, a bunch of of uh, peer-reviewed journals top peer-reviewed yeah. journals in science and apparently 60% of all studies yeah. in science yeah. cannot be replicated. <gasps> replicated? They cannot be replicated. Oh. You can't do the study again and have the same result, which is the whole point of science. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. But because all of all of the incentives of academia and and the you know the publication stuff, you have to publish a certain number of things and yeah. you have to publish them in oh, certain the levels of, of journals. Yeah, right. So you have to have interesting results that are going to be publishable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Those incentives have been aligned to warp science oh, from crazy? from facts to status. Yeah. And I was saying this to my religious friend the other day, mm. in terms of like deciding how to live your life nowadays. Science and religion are punching about weight for weight. Yeah, I yeah, absolutely. You can see that. I mean, they're doing the same thing, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, it, 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 as a source for like, yeah. oh well, I should obey science or believe science. Yeah, that's a little bit worrying to well, me. Well, science is a religion now, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Ah no, and I'm such a I'm a such a fan of science, and to hear that, it's no. I mean, like you know, it's happening. That's uh, because you hear your friends and and they want to be published, and you know. Uh, and, and you know what's happening, but then if you think of it in the larger context of science, <gasps> yeah, it's just it's shocking. 
Yeah, whereas, yeah. I mean, really what that should be is that 60% of experiments fail to show up an interesting result. Which is a result. Which is itself a result, but yeah. you can't get that published. Yeah, you can't, yeah. yeah. And so it's this yeah. weird thing where with the best intentions in the world, yeah. you've set up an environment where truth cannot triumph. That's right, yeah. Like truth cannot be no. the end goal of science anymore, no. which it should be. That's the whole point no. of science oh, is, would is you finding truth. Uh, think about it, though. Say, say if we fix science, <laughs> just right now, mm-hmm. um, and suddenly now... Would you listen to a, a, a report, or even just someone said, saying, "Look, we we did a study. Uh, the study was out to test if there was any correlation between, uh, say, using this drug in dementia, and uh, there isn't." Yeah. Would that be a, like a thing? Like, oh, good to know. That is good to know. Yeah, right. That is good to know. Yeah. If you're, especially if you've got dementia in your family and you're considering yeah, what yeah, treatments. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's yeah, it's it's it was one of those things that I think partly because of my upbringing with mum having MS. Yeah. Every week, every month, there's a new study of, like, this treatment looks like it might fix this. Oh, yeah. And the number of things that just sort of never eventuated yeah. or never never turned out to be useful. Yeah. I think maybe I'm more willing to accept how... Yeah. ..how bad, even though everyone sort of knows it in theory, how it's always fun to, like, ooh, did you know that this many vitamins will make you turn blue in the night? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Because it happened to two mice once. Yeah, yeah. Which is a lot of what science is now. No, you're it's right, like, yeah. You know, we managed to make rats grow more hair. Yeah. And now it's published and it's written in a place. It's truth. It's truth. And m- more importantly, I'm going to get a promotion. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, my God. But, it, yeah, it's that, it's that people are very bad at, at broad picture thinking in that way. Mm. Which is why capitalism is the way it is, because people are not thinking about the world. They're, they're thinking, thinking about, about themselves in the world. You know, their children. I've yes, got to get a paycheck yeah, yeah. home and I can't... Which isn't wrong. Like, I mean, this is... That's reality. Yeah, we're... It's not hard to think only about yourself when you're here for such a small amount of time. Yeah. Which is why trolley problems are interesting and fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever played a board game that is um, no. cooperative? <laughs> I don't. I don't really play uh, games. You don't play board I, games. What I, are you talking about? I hate fun. I hate Alice, fun. you. That is a lie. I kind you, of hate fun. You like fun. Everyone likes fun. That's the definition of fun. Yeah, but I have this kind of upbringing. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to blame my past here, but yeah. uh, I can't justify fun in my worldview. Okay, like, I, this is yeah. one of the reasons why I do comedy yeah. as a job. <laughs> yeah, so you can justify. So that I can justify <laughs> having fun. Oh, Alice. In my life yeah. by oh, it's work. You know, yeah, it's work yeah. for me to yeah. have this pleasant evening talking with friends about ideas yeah. because I can then justify it in the context yeah. of output. So I'm no, no, so that's, this is interesting. Okay, so you okay? What, so if I asked you, what do you do for fun? I would say uh sometimes i go to the art gallery okay that's that's a that's a thing yeah good but okay how do you justify that then that's fun yeah i go to the art gallery it is fun um i i I justified in the context of i do it on my day off and that's like a relaxation time but it's also a time for resetting your brain and if you go and see art it sort of reframes the way that you think about things and it refreshes your brain yeah I'm, i'm not saying there's no room for leisure in my life yeah I'm saying that I feel guilty about having fun. Oh, I'm also wow. not great in large groups of people. <laughs> not, that's, not, yeah, that's, an audience yeah. counts as one person, let's be honest, maybe two. You're right. You're absolutely right. Yes. <laughs> I'm very good one-on-one. Yeah. Maybe two-on-one I can manage. Okay. After about five people, I yeah, get yeah. very, uh, I don't know what my role is. I'm not sure what yeah. tasks I'm supposed to perform. Yeah. I'm not sure when I'm, yeah, I... I uh, but all this is in your head. Oh, I don't know if it's in my head or not. I, yeah. I know that I know how. I know that it's not yeah. enjoyable for okay, me. Okay, yeah. Well, and that's, that, yeah. that I find it difficult to make it enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. So I, I can do networking sort of events because yeah. again they're work. It's work, yeah. And there's a sort of a performative element to that. Yeah. And I feel like I know my role there and my yeah. task is to make other people feel comfortable and relaxed. Yeah, at yeah. At a party, that's yeah. your job is to make so- someone else feel, yeah. you know, relaxed and comfortable. Even if it's not your party, if you're making someone else have a, a, a nice time, mm. 
then you're useful. Yeah. I think I think everything in my world comes down to being useful or not. Useful. I get it. No, no, I totally get it because uh, it's all about productivity, right? Like um, everything that is product uh, productive it trumps anything that is leisure. Yes, um, but productive in a more uh, esoteric way, right? Which is not necessarily like increasing the output of the people who you're around. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Maybe yeah no. As as a well-being, yeah, maybe yeah. As, as an outcome. Yeah, right. For other people. Oh, right. We've never had this conversation. This is very interesting. No, I've which never. Which this surprises me because on stage like you're you interviewing are interviewing me. You <laughs> on stage you are very. And by the way, your your show was freaking fantastic. Thank you. Have you talked about your show on your podcast yet? I haven't really. I mean, I, I people know that it's happening and, and yeah. some of the ideas from the podcast have made it into the show. Oh, yeah, right. And I've had a few people come out. I had some people come out to my show who are from the podcast and they came on the worst night and it was the oh, worst no. night. No. It was so bad and the reviewers in the audience and it was oh, you're kidding. bad. It was a, just a nightmarish That's, I don't understand failure that. of a show. It's, uh, it just didn't work so and I felt so fickle. guilty and I'm sure they've unsubscribed. No, like genuinely, no, of course they haven't. No, I just felt so bad because I I, I, I plug the show on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. It, you know sometimes the chemistry just doesn't work. Yeah, and yeah. it was something about like I I think I, I, I choked on water right at the beginning and it just <laughs> oh, okay. and already I knew they were going to be a hard crowd because reviewers always create a pool of negative energy around them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and 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 yeah, I, I think I got a very bad review, but I, I don't read reviews, so yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I'm, I, I'm I, I, someone said don't read this review, so I'm pretty sure it's a terrible review. Oh, that's so <laughs> stupid because it's like, is there a way to rebut a review? No, you just have to not give it clicks, I think. Oh, that is, yeah, which is hard to do because people want love reading bad reviews. And hope it? that enough people seeing the show talk about it online, yeah. that enough other reviews come out to kind of yeah, over, yeah. overbear that one in terms of the weight of, of impact. Yeah. I mean, a review is either useful to you or it's useless. If somebody goes online and looks up my show and they see a review that stops them going for... Yeah. Then that makes me upset. But otherwise, I don't yeah. really mind whatever people think. I mean... My, my review of the show is that it's bloody fantastic. It's Thank smart you. and it's not afraid to take you uh, anywhere emotionally. Thank you. Um, and which, uh, yeah, like... I don't understand it when audiences sort of have the... I mean, they paid for a ticket. Like, enjoy yourself. Like, you know it's a comedy show. You, you sort of know what you're getting in for. Yeah. Because, you know, there's a lot of hype around you and your show in Melbourne. And and so just relax. Yeah, I, just, I am a sort I, I, th I think the choking on water makes it look a little bit less like you're a safe pair of hands. Because <laughs> if you can't do a basic human function like drinking water without making it accident like death oh. inducing accident happened then maybe you're not then the why, safest person why does slapstick work <laughs> slapstick works because you know they're safe oh, and because it's funny to watch people fall over I mean see Rob Caruana's show that's fucking amazing slapstick where he's genuinely taking risks last year he dislocated his knee oh god <laughs> on the third night of oh, his no. show oh <laughs> no he really genuinely doesn't know how to do most of the tricks he does Oh, it's fantastic. God. He's really, really good. Um, but yeah, I, I found this a, a little bit of a, a, a disturbing trend at the moment, which is that people have created a false enemy in the context of comedy. Michael Workman talks about this in his show, right. um, which is, but then he also then kind of does the thing anyway. Yeah, no, that's... Um, which yeah. is to say, we're in a left bubble. You're not being rebellious when you are doing, you know, anti-racism material, for example. Yeah. In And and talking about the topics that everybody knows are, are topics. Like, yeah. whereas I think it... I'm interested in the audience I have in front of me. Yeah. And I'm interested in making them a little bit uncomfortable in the context of overall yeah. a very satisfying and, and yeah. you know, pleasant thing. But some people very much don't like to be made to feel uncomfortable. Isn't that strange? Like, it's uh, as a comedian, you're sort of faced with this uh, duality of should I is it just for entertainment? Should I just make you have this shallow sort of laughter, and then you're going to go and forget about it, or should I leave you? You're in a very powerful position where um, you're on stage and you have a microphone. You have a very very powerful position to to affect someone. Um, but sometimes affecting someone isn't what they want. Yeah. 
I say, as I say in the show, there was a lady who, I mean, there's two topics that I touch on yeah. that are very uncomfortable for mm. the left yeah, to I, deal I, yeah. with. This was, was this last night? This is in all of oh, okay, the, okay. in the show, yeah. as it were, oh, in, right. the, in this one show. In Empire, there are yeah, two yeah. topics that are kind of topics that you don't touch. Yeah. Because, like, the general sort of consensus on the left is, like, there's so many other real problems that we need to deal with, and these yeah. ones are a bit uncomfortable and we don't want to really talk about them. And the yeah. first one, I think, is one that people know they shouldn't be uncomfortable about, but it doesn't stop them being uncomfortable about, which yeah. is I talk about the way that white Australia treats Aboriginal yep. people yep. Yep. and people feel guilty yeah. and complicit and upset. Yeah. And also, like, I'm not entitled to talk about it because I'm not Indigenous of a Australian. race, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I think is false. I think people yeah. should all we talk should, about Everyone stuff. should talk about it. And <laughs> also, this is a topic that is relevant to me because I'm part of the... Yeah. Of you know, m- most of my family came over here either many generations ago or two generations ago. Yeah, you know, arguably there is some Aboriginal blood on my mum's side, but you know that was all all sort of buried under the rug. Yeah, and that's part of the problem. And you had these yeah. Irish people who came over who were themselves dispossessed of land coming yeah, here yeah. and then dispossessing others of land. Yeah, none of that's in the joke. Yeah, but I think it means like we are all on this land that mm-hmm. no one has said, oh, actually you can have this. We just yeah have taken it yeah and we don't like to think about that too much because yeah, because we're all still here and you know we're having fun and it, yeah and i know fun. yeah and you know there was this thing that anthony trollope who's a great uh, victorian author uh, wrote and it was just this book and i'm not saying this is a good book but the book was the sentence in the book was that the aboriginal people are a dying race and our role as the empire is to guide their head gently to its final pillow Ah, wow. His premise was that they were, you know, in that kind of science terms of the time that they were going extinct. Yeah, yeah, Because we were a superior race and that Mm. the job was not to, like, drive them to extinction but to gently, you know, shepherd them towards their final rest. That's so sad. And that's something that nowadays, you know, is is horrifying. Now we know that that's a horrifying thing to say and a horrifying way to think. But the way that we act as a society is basically that. Yeah. Like okay. the problem will eventually go away because they'll well, either integrate or disappear. Like that's yeah, genuinely yeah. how people behave, but no one would ever say that. Yeah, yeah. I feel like so many people are so uncomfortable to think about it because, I mean, A, guilt, right? Uh, but B, it's like, it's like what we were talking about before. No one likes to step out and see the bigger picture. Mm. Uh, everyone takes it so personally. And, and, uh, it's so hard to think about because we don't know what the answer to the question is or how do I fix this? I don't know what to do to fix this. Yeah, it's um, so much more fun to be angry at Trump than to yeah. think about how we can yeah, exactly. slowly yeah. end up with a more equal society. Yeah. And in, in some ways I feel like the left has moved away from wanting an equal society, mm. which was that sort of enlightenment argument by acknowledging that, you know meritocracy doesn't really exist and there's all this stuff that plays into that that people are successful because they're set up for success rather than because of their inherent merit right so we don't have an equal society yeah but we've gone from acknowledging that as a fact to sort of entrenching it that in no matter what conversation you have you have to acknowledge that these people have these disabilities and this these disadvantages and these people have these advantages and i feel like while that again is a really useful insight. Mm. It's not necessarily a good set of incentives. Okay, right. Because then, then you end up sort of setting up these, or it maybe 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 entrenching hierarchies by acknowledging them almost. Okay, right. Which is not to say that they shouldn't be acknowledged, but that they shouldn't be definitive. Maybe I don't know what mm. the. So, well, that's the problem, is it? No one does. That's anyway, I got, yeah. got, got completely <laughs> sidetracked. I got completely sidetracked from the point, which is that when I make this joke, there yeah. was a lady who said, you shouldn't say that because, it, because it's bad. It was just a trigger. Like, that was that. And was I her said, why, yeah, no, why is yeah. it bad? And she said, because it makes me feel bad. Yeah. And your yeah. job is to make me feel good. <laughs> and that's the thing that we were talking about before, yeah. which I got massively sidetracked on in my little rant. But the, yeah. the, 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 is it our job? What is our job? Yeah, well, that's the thing. People, uh, I think traditionally, um, the wider public uh, see us as entertainers, um, which 
is fine. I'm happy to entertain. I love doing it. That's why I do it. Um, but if you are, but just to add that level of sort of meaning, I think comedians do it for themselves that they they add some something else, uh, another level uh, of depth to to their work to make it. I mean, like you I mean you've heard this before. Comedians are the modern day philosopher. Um, and I think it's true because we have a rational way of thinking about things. Every topic we think from every single angle and we pick one and that's what our show, well, that's, that's what your show is at the, in the end. <clears throat> I don't think people have caught on to this yet. Um, and you'll find that your people who follow you and, and see your show uh, time on time again know your stance on things and they agree with it, which is why they're happy to follow you. But it's getting those people who haven't got an opinion about, you know, all of the issues in your show, yeah. or my show, or whatever, is getting them on board. That's Yeah, and I think the in the early we weeks yeah. of this festival, I had the structure of my show wrong. Because ah. I opened with uh, talking about quantum physics. Uh, which, if you don't know me, and particularly given my accent and stuff, can make me seem like prissy and didactic, like oh. a bit bossy, uh, which I am. So you want to hide that as much as you can. Um, so now I've changed the structure of the show and I begin with all of the, like, I mean, it, it doesn't feel like safe material to the audience, but it's, you know... I thought the quantum physics thing sort of really set a great structure for where the show was going. Yes, I've, but I've cut it, I cut it down a lot from what it was in, no, in the first place. No, you gave yeah. me the truncated version. Yes, I did. I'm I feel I want my money back. <laughs> I, it, I mean, it's a good point it, yeah. because it alienates the audience if they think that oh, you're, okay. oh, you know, you're, uh, trying to be smarty pants. Yeah. Um, but but I open. I mean, the first sort of twenty minutes is my experiences with, you know, people who yeah. were sexist and and. Right. and and stuff like that. People, you know, both a woman and a man who are relatively old-fashioned in their ideas about gender norms. Yeah, right. And that, for me, is very safe material. That's yeah. that classic, yeah. you know, I'm basically preaching to the converted. There's no, not going to be a lot of people in my audience yeah, yeah. who don't agree with me exactly, yeah. that this woman is silly right. and this man is silly in the views that they have. Yeah. Uh, and I think I take a sort of a moderate line through both of the issues. Yeah. But that's the first 20 minutes of the show before I had some slightly more uncomfortable things earlier. Yeah, right. And now the first 20 minutes is like, you can trust me, I'm your people. Now let's <coughs> It's funny how you have to do that. You take have the to, breaks off. You need to develop a rapport with your audience, which is... Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm always... Yeah. It, I find that's the i mean not always difficult but just that i find it exhausting that that's a thing that you have to do all the time that they can't just trust you, you which is fair yeah, enough you know i think that's one of the problems with with reviewer heavy audiences yeah. because i had all of my reviewers come on the same night yeah, yeah. so there were about half the audience oh jeez reviewers and plus ones yeah and they don't want to create a rapport with you because they feel, I think, inherently as journalists that it yeah. affects right. their objectivity if they allow themselves to be charmed by you. Oh, that they're, they're, you've tricked them into a good review. Yes. But that's the point. <laughs> like, yeah, that is the point. And, and, of course, you can, but I think, yeah, partly they aren't, there's part of them that isn't open to a genuine rapport or yeah, to right. your uncertainties or to you. The, yeah, to see a comedian is the whole experience, is, is to sit there be charmed by whatever you're seeing on stage to laugh at whatever you feel like you need to laugh at like that's the whole thing yeah. so for a review to be like no I'm not going to let any of that happen yeah <laughs> I mean you're very charming I mean it's, it's Stop it. and it's many reviewers <laughs> do allow themselves yeah. to be charmed but yeah. I think when it becomes that kind of tipping point of most of the audience are reviewers most of the audience yeah, are right. deliberately holding themselves apart to be critical because they don't want to be swept away do you think there's some sort of competition between the reviewers about what sort of review like imagine that sort of pressure that you um if they know everyone everyone's review for you is going to come out the next day and you're the only one with a positive review do that is there some sort of like oh he's, he's the yeah. one who is there a you know it's I like mean, the, uh, the the ugly ducking the black as sheep? i said i haven't i don't really read many reviews i'll read a few reviews of the people who i respect yeah uh but 
Um, I think, mm. just from the impression I got, plus the message where someone's like, don't read this one, I think I might have got a full spread on this show. Yeah. Even though they all came on the same night. Yeah. I got a four star from the Herald Sun, I know that. Yeah. I got a pretty positive, probably three and a half star. I d- they d- he didn't put stars on, but I'm guessing. Yeah, right. From the vibe of the review okay. from Tortle, yeah. which was very useful advice. Yeah. That's the note that I took. I took from him the note about the cutting down the quantum physics a bit and not leading with that difficult stuff. Right. Just making it a little easier on the audience, yeah, yeah, being yeah, a bit yeah, kinder yeah, to yeah, them. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm pretty sure that this, from from the reaction that my friend had at least, I'm pretty sure that this other one was uh, like a one and a half, two, two and a half. That like, is So amazing. I think I have got a full, like, full spread spectrum of just from the one night, which oh. was, I mean, second night in. Yeah. I, I think from now on I'm not going to let reviewers come in that early because I take a while to get running. Yeah. Ah, fair enough. <laughs> I'm still, like, I'm still new at this. Uh, this is only my second Melbourne, so... <clears throat> um, uh, yeah, so this is this is good advice for me, actually. This but, has got very inside um, baseball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Comedy, this, review, this uh, podcast isn't normally all about comedy, but... Yeah, yeah. Um, no, this is this is uh, interesting stuff because I would assume that you'd want a review to come out early, so that people are like, hmm, oh, okay, right. But then if it is a terrible review, that affects the rest of your show run. Maybe I should just stop thinking about reviews. Yeah, I think don't think about yeah, them right. too much. They are, as I said, they're just either useful the to you or not useful yeah, to you. Right. I think uh, there's a certain temptation to not let them in the next year if they've given you a good one. Like the Herald Sun last year gave me five stars, and this yeah. year they gave me four stars, which is a great review, but yeah. not as good as five stars. So <laughs> what, what's my incentive to ever let them into my show again? Ah, uh, yeah, exactly. I've already got what I came for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can't take those five stars away from yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, look, yeah. I'm. Oh, it's crazy. We're also just so keen for other people's um, validation. But again, I think they're <coughs> supplying uh, a d- demand that doesn't exist. Yeah, okay. Really. Right. I don't think people go to shows off the strength of reviews alone. Yeah. I think they no, go off a right. combination of publicity and word of mouth. Yeah. And having heard of you before, having seen you before, or being knowing your work. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's very rare that that a review would be the only point of entry for a comedian. That you're flipping through the newspaper, you see a review yeah. and you're like, I'll go see that person. Yeah. You've no, you, maybe if it's a five star, again, maybe if it's a really, really, really good one or yeah. a really, really, really bad one, <laughs> if you're that kind of train wreck tourist, <laughs> you might. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I'm because I'm, I do a lot of flyering um, and I like to hear what people are saying on the streets and the number of people who are like, just in conversation, uh, they say things like, oh, I saw her before, it was great, or, you know, uh, I hear good things about the show, and, um, yeah, you're right, it's, it's, a word of mouth is huge. Yeah. Because people don't want to take a, f- a risk with their time and money. Yeah, sure, yeah. I, this is why I love Melbourne as well, though. Everyone here has that culture of just taking risks. In, yeah. When I say taking a risk, it make it sound more dangerous than it is to see a show you've never seen before. Um, yeah, people aren't ri- riding razor-loaded unicycles down the street. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although, you'll be surprised. Um, I but mean, emotionally, <laughs> yeah. a bad hour of comedy can feel uh, like a soul-destroying yeah. yeah. to an extent that a broken arm would not. <laughs> but Sydney, for example, has zero tolerance for... Um, risk. Risk. Yeah, they absolutely... And I think that's partly the... the geo- I mean, this is very inside baseball. Um, the <laughs> geography of the festival. Yeah, of so course. So in yeah, Sydney, yeah. there's no hub. No, that's right. So people go to a venue to see a show. So yeah. they, before so they've left the house, they've decided they're committed what they're going to the The see. plan, the travel, they've organised their dinner plans around that. Yeah, yeah and, right. uh, and flyering them requires... if you, you have to fly them in a way that persuades them to change their plans either that's, after that's a show right. that they see another show instead of going to dinner or instead of going yeah, straight home yeah. or that they give up the show they'd intended to see to see your show which is yeah. a much higher bar to clear yeah. than in Melbourne where there's the hub there's the town hall people come out and go what am I going to see tonight yeah. everything's in walking distance I'm going to yeah. see a show and then you can be like well make it this show it's a much lower yeah. bar to clear than than like 
oh, actually drive to this other place yeah. or wait another hour or yeah. you know, extend your parking and call your babysitter and you know, all of the plans that you made yeah, are now changed. I think yeah. in Sydney you have to do a lot of the work before the festival, whereas yeah. in Melbourne, if you've got a good flyering team or if maybe you I, are yeah. yourself, which you are, a very good flyer. Thank you. Um, maybe I should be more thankful to my Sydney audience then because I think I'm lucky enough to have an audience um, and, a, and a, some sort of following. But um, yeah, but it is a whole night out just to see one show. I am organizing all of that. Genuinely, always surprised and delighted yeah. when people are there. Yeah, it makes me so happy. Yeah, because again, <laughs> you know, it's an hour of their yeah. lives that you know, with an hour on each side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I d I've started doing this thing where I s sit with my back to the audience as they come in. Oh, okay. And just for the first mi five minutes until it's about half full, and then I turn around and start chatting with them. Yeah. And it's just, it's genuinely just to give me that, like, oh, people. Yeah, like, right. Because it makes me so happy when I, because I, I assume every time I turn around that there will be no one in the yeah, room. Yeah, yeah. No, I have that fear as well. And then they're there. <laughs> it's a really nice feeling. Do you ever think about... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever think about performing to, like... If you had an audience of, of one. That's interesting. Or two, or just, you know, if you rock up. And I mean, because this happened a few times in my um, show run, was that there was zero pre-sales. Mm. Um, and which, you know, sort of like has you in a sort of mood all day, right? Um, so, you know, bust my hump flyering all day. And then you rock up and it's like full. And you're like, oh, well, what, what, what happened there? And it's a delight, but for the whole day you're thinking... What's my lowest number? Yeah. What's my lowest number? I mean, my entree into comedy yeah. was the 24-hour play in a day at Sydney University O-Week. Yeah. Which was run by, at that time, I think Simon Greiner, maybe. Okay. yeah. And Ed Cavalier and that, yeah, that right. lot yeah. at Sydney University Dramatic Society. And, and they were doing, yeah, this, this improvised play, 24-hour play. Mm. And you could come and get a slip of paper and do a scene in the play and then move on. And, yeah, right. And their rule was, for the, for the breadth of this project to succeed, for an hour, a play to go for 24 hours, was yeah. that there always had to be w at least one person in the audience and they had to be awake. Oh, God, yeah. okay. <laughs> So it's not setting the bar too high. Like, yes, and yeah. I've, I've met other people who say, you know, people in, in troops, say yeah. five people in a troop, they say yeah. there have to be at least as many people in the audience as, as there are on stage. stage. Yeah. So theoretically that means that you could do a show for one, one person. Yeah. I think in my head, I, I've never been faced with this particular scenario where yeah. it's just one person who's bought a ticket, um, where I'd say in my head I would... I would probably give them the choice, I think. Yeah, you're right. I I'd think, say, I would you like to too. just have a chat and come back well, another night? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, or would you like me to just do the show? Yeah. And Because it's weird just doing the show, because there's one person, you may as well just talk to them. Yeah. Uh, and just have a conversation. But then it's not the show that you've got. I like, think I would probably give them three choices. Yeah. The, uh, this is I, I have of course thought about this because yeah, yeah. it is the, the, the nightmare slash I don't yeah, know if it's a nightmare yeah. but it's it's certainly a scenario that sure. is possible and not ideal. Yeah. I think I would say do you want I can just do the show as though they were a full house. Uh-huh. Uh, it'll be a little bit weird because mm -hmm. but I'll just pause where there should be laughs and play it off and it'll be yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll try not to lose heart and you just laugh when you feel like laughing. I would say, or we can sit here and have a chat and I'll kind of throw some jokes in so you know it's going to be a fun chat for you. Yeah. Or I'll just put you on the door for another night and you come back another night. Why don't we go see someone else's show together? Oh, that's nice. I like that. I think yeah. those would be my three... Yeah, yeah, yeah. ...the three choices. And then I'd probably give them a, a link to The Resistance so they could actually see that I was yeah. a decent comedian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I like that. Um, I think mine is two people. If, if there's two people, I will do the show. And I'll do it, and I'll make it the most interactive bloody experience you've ever had in your life. Um, How structured is your show? Um, fairly, but I think 
it allows for some flexibility in terms of um, audience interaction and like if I feel like from the from from the get go that the audience isn't a very responsive one, I'll ask them a few sort of test questions and see how that goes. Then I sort of dial that down. But if it's a what's yeah. your litmus joke? What's the joke that you <laughs> tell to tell what kind of an audience the audience is? Um, I so at the beginning of my shows I do a bit of a sur uh, survey. Um, and the survey is who has no idea who I am, uh, and then then I just ask them a bunch of demographic questions just to see who's in the audience. And um, usually I just sort of make a joke, like I'll riff, I'll riff at the start, and depending how that riff goes, if it's you know, I don't I mean I don't. There's no one joke that I have that I that I'll do every every show. So depending on how that sort of, uh, you know, like when you're talking to a new person and you can kind of tell immediately what sort of person they're going to be um, and how your relationship is going to be in this conversation. That's what I do with my audience. And if it's a quiet one, I'll be like, okay, okay, you're here to see my show, I'll just do the show. Yeah. But if it's a, if it's a sort of a chatty audience and you're like, oh, great, I'm great, I'm getting a lot of back and forth, yeah. great, then I'll be like, okay, there are some places where I'll open the show up for that and we're going to, you know, have a great time. Yeah. Um, so it's it's in that first five minutes. Do you get hecklers? Not usually. Um, I think I don't. I think my personality is in the way that people just <laughs> people just kind of be like, oh, ah, oh, jeez, yeah, jeez, hey. So if I get hecklers, they're really nice, contributing sort of. You do it well. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> or just. There was one guy who just, uh, in one of my first shows in this show run, who uh, just wanted just to contribute to the show and just tell a story of his. So I was like, okay, I'll just... <laughs> I leant up against the mic stand and went, okay, we're listening to this story now. Um, and he just... <laughs> yeah. and, but he just, yeah, that was a strange sort of heckle. He just wanted to share a story. Uh, I know. <laughs> it's very sweet. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that's about as bad as it gets for me. I don't, I don't think... Uh, yeah, I think I'm, I've been lucky enough. Uh, I think the worst heckle for me is nothing. Just drop dead silence when yeah. I'm, you know. Um, because I think on stage I'm, I'm, I'm a friendly sort of persona. Um, well, every... Generally likeable. Every joke is a gift. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And if someone, if you offer someone mm. a joke and they just let it drop onto the ground with a thunk, yeah. you feel a little I'm bit hurt. heartbroken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes they'll sort of laugh a little bit and that's like someone's yeah. opened the present and gone, oh. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that's nice. And nice. I like you can tell those laughs. Though. Yeah. And you're like, oh. And, and, and yeah. then, you know, then if it goes well, then it's like someone's gone, oh, that's what I've always wanted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you get old people in your audience? Yes, I do. Older, yeah, older. Because I was on the ABC and I've, right. I get sold as intelligent yeah. comedy. Oh, although yeah. sometimes it they don't that. like the swearing. It's edgy. What are you talking about? I think swearing is clever and funny. I'm not going to back off I that. agree. I think a well, well-placed F-bomb is uh, powerful and uh, uh, emotive. Yes. Okay. Um, sometimes I'll get an audience that is just full of people and their parents, um, which is... Because you're so friendly, family-friendly. <laughs> yeah, fa I am. I am a family-friendly comedian. But that sort of affects the mood of the... Because everyone wants to have a good time. And the, and the older crowd, I, I'll get... Sometimes I'll look down at someone, if, especially in the first two, the, two rows, and they'll have their arms folded, legs sort of crossed, and... Uh, and they'll have a smile, like a slight smile on their face, just nodding sometimes. And when I do a joke, the the look on their face is, oh yeah, ah okay, I said was done there. And I'm like, no, you know, uh. and then the younger their their kids don't laugh because sometimes if it's maybe a bit rude or yeah, exactly. or implies knowledge like they of something, don't give that themselves they permission to laugh because their parents are there. I'm like, oh, this is ah. Oh. Try doing a show for a law firm. Oh, you're kidding. No one laughs until the partners laugh. It's like a, <gasps> it's like a medieval court where everyone's no. looking at the king to see if they're allowed to laugh. It's like oh. one of those super villain scenarios where he's like, ha ha ha, and all the henchmen are like, ha ha ha, <laughs> and then he stops laughing, and then they all stop laughing. Oh wow! So it's, it's exactly just like that. Performing to one person. Yeah, then, it's isn't it? 
cartoonish. Oh, jeez. So you are just performing to one person. Yeah. And uh, so every time after these shows, I go home and be like, okay, how do I make these elders laugh? And They've so run out of laughs. They used all their laughs up. Yes, Everyone but that's a challenge. A oh, you don't care. I'm gonna. Ch- I'll take it as a gonna challenge. Gonna overdraw their laughs. <laughs> yeah. I'll do a show for old people. <laughs> <laughs> you should. You should. I mean, uh, old people's homes are a, a cash cow ready to be milked. I'm gonna. Yeah, that's how I make my living off their pensions. I mean, pensions. it's a booming industry, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. Actually. It is totally. We is. are an aging population. Yes. Uh, so, where can uh, people find you online, Jeeves? Ah, good question. Um, uh, I have a. Uh, if you, I generally use the uh, Jeeves Verma, all one word, um, for Facebook, Twitter, and that's Jeeves um, spelt like Jeeves and Worcester. As in J W E V E S. Is that what you're named after? Uh, no. Uh, yes, sort of. I don't know. My, <laughs> I, it was just. A, it was. It's actually a name that just kind of uh, developed organically growing up. Um, so it's not my real real name. Oh my, wow. Yeah, my real real name is. Um, more Indian. More, that's a good name, <laughs> More Indian. It yeah. sounds like. Yep. Uh, yeah. It's, there's nothing not to like about More Indian. More Indian Verma. <laughs> <laughs> Should be your next uh, show title. Yep. But uh, so, Jeeves, um, you were just a very butlery child? Or? Oh, look, hey, my parents had a sense of humour. If comedy falls through, I'll either be an Uber driver or a tea maker. A tea maker. I Make with start, the tea, let's, Jeeves. Let's start a tea company. This milk tea is... Actually, I'm growing me. Actually, yeah, I've been trying to drink it quietly while I'm t- while I'm talking. You've been and managing the, um, very well. Thank you, thank you. I love it. Well, um, yes. Yeah, so Jeeves Verma. Jeeves Verma. Yeah. Dot Facebook, com. Twitter. Yeah. Dot com. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Yeah. Instagram. Not yet. I haven't. Sort of. What? I don't know what Insta- to take photos of. Y- yourself enjoying things usually. Oh, that's hard. Funny things. I don't you like see. taking photos of myself unless it's with someone or with someone else. I like with, I like in a place or with someone. Well, yeah. then spend time with people being photogenic. Obvs. Oh, I'm not. Fo- oh, the I, other day uh, I saw. Okay, think about it. This it fills a niche. The other day I saw uh, two people eating out of a cardboard box that was labelled oversized chicken. <laughs> And I thought, why is that the adjective yeah. you use to describe your chicken? It's yeah. not an appealing a- a- adjective as far as chicken goes. Yeah. Maybe I should. Okay, Instagram, like, everyone's in Instagram, right? Is that is that what's happening? It's the most positive, I think, of oh, the social okay. media platforms oh. because it yeah, is right. people generally posting positive and enjoyable things. Yeah, right. And the, the comments, you can't really post links because it's just pictures. It can't be too political. Yeah. So it's sort of, I mean, it's very shallow, but it is <laughs> pleasant. Like a, like a kiddie pool that's warm because of the weed. That's the world we live in now, isn't it? That is the world. Shallow but pleasant. Shallow but pleasant. Yeah. Surface uh, and non-threatening. These are like your, your mother's friends. Yes, exactly <laughs> that. Oh, you have to go see the show if you, yeah, you to do. get that reference. Yeah. You do have to see the show and I'll tell you a little secret after we hang up. But for now, uh, thank you so much for listening. Hey. You're having tea with Alice.
the doppers at every frame. Loudly rifles, oh, loudly rifles, eh? On Monday morning, when she comes in, she hangs her coat on the highest pin. Turns around for to view her frames, crying, damn you, doppers, cry up your hands. Loudly rifles, oh, loudly rifles, eh? And when the boss, he looks round the door, Surely do, for Elsie Thompson, but not for you. Lally rifles, oh, lally rifles, eh? Oh, Elsie Thompson is going away. Is it tomorrow or yet today? We'll tie our hands up and leave our frames and wait for Elsie to return again. Lally rifles, oh,